Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time as we're back for week two of 2021. few fun things to talk about today. No like giant big industry changes, but kind of things that are cool to us personally and individually. And then also there is a large industry topic that I think I've been keen to break down for a while and uh, yes. we're going to delve into, which is cloud gaming. And is it yes. the future or is it not? We're also going to be talking about David Dobrik's return to YouTube, Spotify getting into video podcasts. We're going to be touching on E3 and then breaking down cloud gaming with Elliot and developments in that space. But first of all, Elliot, how was your week? It was good. I feel like it was pretty non-eventful. I kind of just getting back into streaming, back into video making, still totally out of Fortnite ideas like everyone. Like it's crazy. You look at you look at all of us, like you know, Lockie, um, McCreamy, I mean Lannan hasn't really been like a Fortnite Fortnite YouTuber for a while. But yeah. everyone just went from posting like daily videos, daily videos, daily videos all last year. And then in December, even in December where people normally upload more than ever, people were down to like a video every two days. Some people were doing daily. And what now do you think is going to happen? Now it's January, February. Like I think Lockie's posting like two videos a week. I may be doing three. Yeah. You need a new game. Need a new game, but there's none on the horizon. So who knows? Who knows? We'll, we'll retire. My week was pretty good. I feel like um, I've actually had such a fun week. I feel like I've been on like a million boat parties in the last week. You have been <laughs> on like, well, I mean like what? It's been two or three, right? Yeah. Which, for boat parties in a week is a lot of boat parties. Yeah. I feel like I'm in this mindset, though, where I know that, and and especially because I was overseas for a number of months last year in much, much harder lockdowns than we're lucky to have in Australia, I think it's like this mentality where it's like, because I know that so much of the world, like, can't do a lot right now. <laughs> and like, such... I can't say no. Guys, I'm just partying <laughs> because I know that you can't. So I'm going to party for you. I know it is a sacrifice, but it is one that I'm willing to make. That is so weak. You just want to, you want to go on boat parties. Just I'll say take it. one for the team. I'll take one for That's the team. That's so weird. Other people can't party, so I feel obliged it's to party for them. It's not that. It's it's like at other times that and opportunities it. in life where you might be like, oh, I can do it again. Like I'll have those other opportunities come up. It's like you never know. Australia could get hit by COVID really bad in like a week, and then there might be no more boats for a year. And I'd say, wow, wish I made the most of it when I could. Nah, we're too so, close to the vaccine now. We're all good. Yeah, touch wood, touch wood. Touch wood. The vaccine, I heard God, that they have um, vaccinated 90% of people over 75 in the UK now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's quick. I'm more surprised that 90% of people were willing to take it. I thought they'd be like at least 20, 30% of oh, any Oh, true, true. I don't think anyone in Australia has been vaccinated yet, right? Mm, no, I think we have had some. Oh, I thought yeah. it wasn't coming till April or something. I don't know. All I know is they're they're doing some emergency ones, I believe, on like frontline health workers and most importantly, 
hotel quarantine because Australia keeps getting COVID under control. And then, because um, we're literally at zero cases a day and we have been at zero cases a day the vast majority of the time. But whenever we have an outbreak that shuts everything down for two or three weeks, it's because we're still accepting Australians who are overseas back into the country. They bring COVID in, we put them in hotel quarantine, but occasionally one of the security guards sleeps with someone in the hotel. <laughs> like, that was one that time. Was, that was the first outbreak that happened. That was one happened. time, Elliot. Literally slept with one of the people in the hotel, led to the biggest outbreak, hundreds of people died. You now, don't want to be that guy. You just don't, you want, don't to be that guy. want to be that like, guy. Come on. You don't, I mean, you just you generally don't want to be the guy that killed a few hundred people, but you also don't want to be the guy that did it for that reason. But I think they need to pay the people working in those hotels way more and just have them also live in the hotels for I've like said weeks that. on end. I've said it should be like what they do at like mining settlements where you have like two weeks on or like two months on, two months oh. off. Yeah. But literally, it's like you get paid a bunch of extra money, but when you're here, you're here, you live in this little bubble and you yeah. don't go anywhere. So many of the security guards working in the hotels are also working other jobs. And to me, I just like can't believe we're taking that risk. Whenever an outbreak happens, like, yeah, the cleaner at Hotel Quarantine was also working at four other non-quarantine hotels. Also, yeah. she made chicken at a porto. It's just And you're like, just like, that doesn't Pay them sick. literally four times the amount to actually stay there for a couple months. And that will still be cheaper than the cost of any potential COVID, like getting into the community and then them having to like shut down the entire economy. Anyway, guys, welcome to the YouTube industry podcast where we talk yeah. about YouTube. YouTube and uh, and the gaming industry, which is um, you know, really on topic right now. We're trying to diversify and also get into the category of podcast that talks about COVID every yeah, day. And, <laughs> and vaccine development. That's a, that's a new vertical for us. Yeah, yeah. We're just diversifying. You know, we told you 2021 was going to be a big year. and um... We are Australian. We have all the secrets to getting COVID under control. Step one, live on an island. Okay. Into the first topic of today, David Dobrik is back. Still not on the main channel, sadly. On the second channel. It's been nine months since he's uploaded on the main channel, but still three months since the second channel, which is kind of crazy because I feel like everyone sees David as like the YouTuber goat. Mm. and he's literally just become a TikToker, which, like, good for him because the level Just of casually, effort... like, dominated YouTube and then casually was like, oh, I just can't really with it. But in this video, he says he's going to be back to doing weekly videos, which is Amazing. Cool. So he returned on the second channel with a house tour, which looks bloody insane. Have you it seen It looks the video? like a crazy house, it, yeah. This kid is just living... He's not even a kid. How old is he? Like, 25? No, he's a kid. He's, like, 22, 23, I'm it's pretty sure. It's actually nuts. Apparently, it's a $25 million home. As a 26-year-old, 22 is a kid, and I'm an adult. Okay, all right. I always think it's really interesting to look at the way that David creates content. He is an absolute pro of the game, and I think it's always interesting, like, his content strategy. But also seems so effortless. Like, looks like he's really not putting in that much work. Which is exactly what YouTube, good YouTube content is and should look like. I thought it was really interesting. He returned with a non-skippable ad on his video, I think, He's, you know, no, so I saw you you were talking about that earlier. I actually was going to counteract that, though. He put a copyright song at the end of the video, which probably means the video got claimed, which probably means it's actually the record company that's doing that. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm actually not going to, because I actually don't think that David cares about YouTube ad revenue. 
as like that. He makes too much he for sponsorships. He just bought a twenty-five million dollar home because <laughs> of sponsorships. To... <laughs> he posts three-minute videos. If you care about YouTube ad revenue, you're not That's posting three-minute videos. That is true. I literally think he got hit by a copyright from the copyright song he put at the end, and the record label was like, "Oh, cash money." Yeah. And uh, yeah, they put the unskippable ad. True. It was a sponsored video, which I feel like most of his videos are now sponsored. And I know we've spoken about this in a previous episode. I think he gets away with it every video now just because he does them so well. He does. We talked about this last year. He does this every time. When he's doing a sponsorship, he talks like he's telling a funny joke. Guys, this video is sponsored by NordVPN. NordVPN, they're just the the best. Like, literally, it's like he's, like, breaking out in laughter as he says the sentences. Yeah. Nothing funny about it. Not a single joke in what he's saying. (laughs) But it makes people... Be like, oh, this is like a funny thing. Like, this is like, we're, we're happy about this. There's some sort of psychology around that where 100%. it's like you mirror the energy that someone's giving yeah. you. And I think if someone's giving you like super energetic, smiley faces, it's hard to like not feel a Gives positive affirmation. Gives me that hit that everyone's that. on the internet looking yeah, for. Literally. Yeah, literally. I also thought it was really interesting the way that he comes back to YouTube with the promise of consistency and just the way that he is formulaic now in his approach with content. And I think it's interesting you say it feels effortless, but at the same time, there's so many elements of that video that are like classic David. It's like, what, he gives away two cars in the video, which is crazy. He releases merch around the video. It's called like a welcome back merch set or whatever. People can buy hoodies around the fact that he's released a new video. Super jovial song at the end. End, which I feel like is classic him as well that no one else seems to get away with. I still don't know how he does he it. He doesn't get away with it. They get copyright striked. What I thought was really interesting was the reveal of their new podcast room. He obviously has his podcast that he does um, called Views, which has been incredibly successful at this stage i believe like hasn't been picked up by any major network it's not like a spotify they original haven't given him enough money exactly and i think it's really really interesting to see that he's coming back with video podcasts which is something that previously they've only ever done audio hmm. or the video really hasn't been a focus point for them they've now got an incredible studio it looks amazing and i think for me this is him seeing down the line of where that can go. And I think it will be really, really interesting with some of the progressions that we're seeing in the podcasting world right now, where he takes views over the next 12 months. Spotify is obviously making huge strides in that space to bring on more Spotify original shows, which means that it's content people can't find anywhere else to try and bring people onto the Spotify platform. I think that's like a huge area of growth for them because it's longer form content and it's stickier content. And while someone might be able to go on Spotify and just listen to a couple songs that might take 10 or 15 minutes, it's like if they are coming on for a podcast at 30 minutes or 45 minutes, Spotify is obviously able to serve them far more ads, far more recommended. And it's interesting as well that Spotify is getting into video now. It's not just going to be an audio platform. Did you know that? Well, I mean, I knew that from when they signed over Joe Rogan's podcast. Like they've been, like they literally got him to take pretty much every episode off YouTube and you can watch them all the same as before, but just now on Spotify. I think. How do you feel about an audio platform getting into video? Like why do you think they would be interested in that? I mean, obviously because video ads would probably generate a lot more revenue than audio only ads. But I think also just trying to like diversify the service offering. You know, there are a lot of people that when they're watching a podcast they like to see the visual of it so if they can make themselves like a one-stop home for everything podcast yeah then even better i do think that it's going to be 
interesting to see if David is like, did he just build that studio to sell? Because I, I think that would actually make a lot of sense. Like it's kind of like, okay, podcast platforms are more and more looking to acquire podcasts. On top of that, they're really looking to acquire podcasts that they can use as like testing grounds for their VOD format. Mm -hmm. So if he spends 200 grand building a studio and suddenly is filming the podcast, all of a sudden, if his podcast might have gotten a five, ten, twenty million dollar signing bonus before, now that could be like double. Yeah, I think podcasting is a genre of entertainment that's been kind of slept on. Um, I don't think YouTube's done a great job creating an yeah. offering that works for podcasting. Obviously, a lot of people do upload podcasts onto YouTube, but I would love to see similar to how they've done shorts or stories like a shelf, like a podcast shelf on the homepage, yeah. which serves recommended podcasts to you. I'm really, I'm actually really surprised that yeah. they haven't done that because I think it's an area where YouTube could seriously dominate like they have that ground i almost wonder if youtube's kind of decided that that's just not going to be their realm because they had youtube i mean I, I think they're still doing it but youtube music you don't really hear a lot about it like they're clearly not pushing it that aggressively they've kind of made it and they're kind of like oh i mean like is this even worth us investing in um yeah. so I, I wonder if they've just kind of been like look like that's not that's not our battleground our battleground is going to be over here but at the same time, though, you see them trying to, like, chase platforms like TikTok and, yeah. and copy what they're doing. It surprises me. And I, I don't know. I'd love to I'd love to get a bigger understanding on why they haven't, because I think that sweet spot of, like, 30 to 45 minute content, that's not somewhere where the big streaming platforms like Netflix or Hulu can play. But it is yeah. somewhere where I feel like YouTube was perfectly positioned. But I think, I mean, I feel the same way about Apple Podcasts. I think Apple's completely slept on their podcasting business. And I think Spotify has like recognized that's something that they can come in and literally eat the market share. And I know that one of the podcasts they're experimenting with that video on demand is um, the Zane and Heath podcast, who are obviously good friends of David. So I'd be really, really interested to know the behind the scene conversations that are going on there for the mm. future plans of views. I can't imagine that they're going to keep it in its current form forever. I think they're probably going to bring it onto YouTube, try and show that it gets an absolutely massive audience. And then I wouldn't be surprised at all if they try to sell it. I mean, I think David's doing that better than anyone right now in terms of just diversifying his business and the content that he's doing and that he's at a point where his name is still so relevant and so big and he hasn't even uploaded a video on his main channel in nine months. Yeah. But he's done, what's he done in the meantime? He's done huge merch drops. He's doing his pizza company. He's one of the biggest creators on TikTok. He's released a perfume. Like he's still completely killing it. And the video of his house tours at half a million views in less than an hour, which on a second channel that long after being away is kind of crazy. Yeah. And mindful, that's not even the real time views. Like, yeah, true. What, it's probably it's probably well over a million. When you're seeing a video that's been uploaded recently, like within the last couple of hours, it's highly um, unlikely that the views that you see are the actual views. YouTube actually just can't keep up. Yeah. So the real time views, which only the creator can see, are probably generally much much higher. And because of the monetization, it actually is like verifying the views are real, making sure they're not coming from bot farms. Right. Um. But he didn't come back without any controversy. Yeah. So tell me about this because Elliot mentioned this when we were walking in today. Yeah, so I only got told about it today as well. Apparently it happened two days ago, but I was chatting with a couple of people in the office and uh, Big Nick, who was the uh, the person who used to be in David Dobrik's vlogs, but yeah. he stopped. He used to be in the videos a lot up until about a year and a half ago, like a while ago. Yeah. Um, basically went on the H3H3 podcast 
and they were talking about being in the vlogs, why he stopped, what happened. And he was basically like, yeah, uh, like I got bullied a lot, like really, really toxic environment. Like everyone has this real like elitist kind of mentality about them. And I kind of became a punching bag and I got depression and was like suicidal for a period of time and then decided I needed to step away, which was like pretty heavy. Especially because I feel like David's reputation is, is so anti that. Yeah, yeah. He's but, like the good guy, you know, he's everyone's mate. And I'm not saying this actually applies to David because I actually don't think it does as much. But, you know, similar to um, uh, Shane Dawson, where it's like, you know, the everyday guy, like, oh, my God, I just stumbled into this crazy thing, but I'm still, yeah. like, one of the people. I just, oh, my God, I just happened to live in this crazy house. But, like, yeah. yeah, you know, still have... It's like, and then, like, all the stuff comes out about, like, oh, wow, okay, no, you actually were, like, horrible in quite a few instances. Yeah. Not that I'm saying that that is what happened there. In fact, I actually more get the sense... I think it's very similar. I'm guessing that how that toxic environment would have developed... Um, literally could have happened in a very, very similar way to, uh, same with what happened with Logan Paul, with yeah. the, with the forest drama that happened. After a while, I just think you, you, you lose perspective and you forget. Like people very much fall into the routine of videos, which is, all right, we're filming like blah, blah, blah. Hey, you're small, like, ha, oh, let's like make a joke out of that. Or can we like do something there? And you, you it's nothing personal. You're not deliberately being malicious. Your focus is Absolutely. only on Will this get a laugh in the video that we're making? Yes, it will. Therefore, good. Okay, we're going to do that. Is this something that will get more views, more engagement? Yes, okay. And yeah. I think you, I can very much imagine losing the understanding of the actual impact of your action. 100%. I think I see this in a lot of different, like, little sub-YouTube communities. I think it's a function of the fact, of a few factors. I think YouTube is one of the most insular environments and when you're around a group of people that also create YouTube content, it's extremely easy to just get sucked into thinking that is the whole world. And it's very difficult to get perspective, see the bigger picture of what you're doing. And it is an all-consuming industry. I mean, I think even to a lesser extent, I see that with a lot of the guys that we work with. Mm. It's very all-consuming. And I think that's because it's a job where you're constantly getting a report card. Every day you're seeing your viewership, you're seeing your subscriber number, you're seeing the engagement. And I think when you're getting into that kind of environment, it's it's just like constant feedback. It's like, that was funny, do it again, do it again, yeah. do it a little bit more, see how far you can push it, see how far you can push it. Like how much more views can you get if you just like take that joke an extra notch? Yeah. And it's not like people are doing it maliciously, it's that they're getting these dopamine hits off the constant feedback that they're receiving. And so it's very rewarding to just go a little bit further, a little bit further, and then suddenly you're in a place that you never intended to start out with. I think, I don't know, I think that's a much, much bigger topic and one we could maybe do for another day as a deep dive. But I think, yeah, when you get into these YouTube groups, it's often difficult to see the surface. Yeah, definitely. But that is the return of David Dobrik, which is very, very cool. Um, did you see the news that E3 is not happening again for this year? I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, I know that started the whole conversation around like, is it gonna move digital permanently? E3, for context, is one of the biggest gaming events globally of the year. It's usually held in LA every June. And it's it's one that, I mean, we've gone to for years. 
you more than me. I think I've been to three. You've probably been to like five or six. Yeah. And I have to say I'm sad. Like it was, it's, it's an event where for us on a personal note, obviously there's the huge convention and um, a lot of brands go and it's an opportunity to show new products, new games for creators in the last few years. It's really been an opportunity where everyone's in LA at the same time for a week. And to be honest, it's like kind of ridiculous. It's like, yeah, it's just parties and, (laughs) people and it's really really fun fun. so so fun no i don't i don't go to e3 for the convention i go to e3 (laughs) for the people at the convention but literally i think i think the last two years that i've been to e3 i've spent you you probably spent five days there and i think i spent a collective over two years combined two hours in the actual convention hall the, the rest of it you're just like you're doing meetings it's not that you're not working you might be doing meetings yeah. or you might be catching up with friends or you might be going to a party but whatever it is it's not so much about the video games it's about the community kind of coming together yeah but i do think that this was always kind of like predetermined no one i, I think if you thought that e3 was going to happen this year it was a little bit naive because look yeah sure vaccines starting to roll out but you're not really gonna get it in the majority of countries having vaccination up to a certain level until mid to late this year so because of that there's no way an international event that needs people flying cross country is going to be able to actually happen i think it's probably no secret that e3 the convention at least doesn't make money it's an absolute money drain for most of the brands oh for the brands i was going to say for the organizers i think it makes money yeah but i think for for the brands to actually have a space in the convention center is hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. for an industry event. Yeah, I don't know. I think, what What do you think? Do you feel like this is the end of conventions as we've seen it? Do you think no. things like PAX in Australia will happen? Uh, I don't, uh, PAX, PAX Australia is interesting this year because that is what, late October, mm-hmm. uh, which could be within the realm of possibility, I feel like, but definitely I, I, not the end of live gaming events. I think I think that they're still like a super special thing because don't get me wrong, like everyone loves online stuff, but as much as gamers are often introverts and they want to stay inside and, you know, not, not go too far, I feel like also at the same time, very sporadically extrovert. Vast majority That's of the time. That's just because Elliot wants to go to Vegas for a while. I just want to go to Vegas, <laughs> goddammit. Um, but no, but like, but like uh, as much as like I do like sitting inside playing games, if there's an event where I know everyone is going to be together and it's oh, going to yeah. be an awesome time, like I'm always so excited for that. So I think the demand's definitely going to be there. Whether or not, I think it's a much bigger question of whether or not E3 can sustain itself at the level that it was because effectively how that convention runs is it's all the developers in a big game hall showing off the games that they're going to have coming out over the next year or two. And the problem was E3 actually had this happen a few uh, years ago where it built up and built up, built up, and then it completely just died. And they literally turned it into just a developer-only conference where it was like only media was invited, no public stuff at all, no big booths, no nothing. Yeah. Because it turns into an arms race because every developer wants to be the flashiest one on the floor. They want to be the one with all the people. So if, you know, one year you've got, you know, uh, World of Tanks as the booth next to you and they've got you know, their booth and they've got a real tank outside it. Yeah. Then next year, uh, they're like, okay, we need to step it up because that other booth next to us, they did some cool stuff. So next year, they've got a tank outside their booth and now they've got a bunch of models in bikinis sitting on top of the tank. And they're like, yeah. okay, this will really draw people in. Then they're like, oh my God, the booth next to us had like a fortune teller. So now we need to up it again. Yeah. And then they're yeah, like, okay, yeah. now we're going to have open bar. So I literally <laughs> remember going to the, the one for 2K 
and they had a mafia themed booth. They'd literally built an entire saloon bar in the middle of this freaking convention center. Inside was a fortune teller, a live bar, sorry, a live band and an open bar just handing out alcohol to everybody. Yeah. And you think about the cost of that. And don't get me wrong, like, and I, and I was talking to them. They're like, oh yeah, you know, we might get like 5,000 people through in a day. You think about the cost of running that booth for a day. Oh my God. Is probably like 200 grand when you think of the rent. So effectively you're spending like what, 40, 50 bucks for every single person yeah. that even glances at your booth. So even if all those people go out and buy two of your games, you're still yeah. losing money. And there's a whole run on effect and a bigger debate to have around it. But long story short, E3, whether an event that extravagant is sustainable in the long term, bigger question. Whether YouTubers should still get together to party every year, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm sad about it. I have the fondest memories of E3, and I think the first E3 I went to was a couple months after we started Click, and gaming, especially in Australia, can feel kind of small and a bit misunderstood. Like, a lot of people, if I talk to, like, they really don't get it mm. at all. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What we do. Whereas I remember being in LA for the first E3 and we were there for this week and we were just doing meetings every day and running between places and going to the convention. And I don't know, I think it just completely opened my eyes to how big the industry was. And yeah. I like going there and just seeing so many people get it and appreciate it and recognize what we were trying to do and not think that that was weird or niche or whatever. It was probably like the first event that like truly, truly opened my eyes to yeah. what the industry is capable of. So it, it holds a, you know, a sentimental sentimental spot in my heart. Um, Live events will be back, but not this year, next yeah. year. All right, let's get into our deep dive topic of the day, which is cloud gaming. Now, this is prompted by a tweet that Elliot sent to me last night. So I think you need to quote it. Yeah, I thought I thought this was super, super funny. Uh, it's, it's actually quite a long tweet, so I'll paraphrase it. Okay. But essentially, it was a tweet by the guy who created Terraria. Now, if you don't know what Terraria is, it's basically a 2D version of Minecraft, uh, like a side-scroller side style, um, but it is incredibly popular. Like, it has generated hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, and it is one of the most popular games to be released in the past decade. The creator of Terraria was tweeting at Google, basically saying, hey, uh, for the last few months, for the last few weeks, I've been locked out of my Google account. I've lost access to the thousands of dollars worth of apps that I had on my phone. I've lost access to my Gmail account username, which is the Gmail I've had for like 10 or 15 years. And I've been in nonstop contact with your customer service and they've just been sending me in circles, basically telling me that they don't care and they can't really help. And he was like, so Google, it looks like you want to burn the bridge with me and that's okay because I've just told my development team to cancel the port of Terraria to Google Stadia. He's taking Terraria off Google Stadia. Because he couldn't get his email. I know 99% of people know, but 
just to give context. Yes. Effectively, cloud gaming is uh, a relatively new thing in the gaming industry, really come to the forefront more in the last two years. What it is effectively is obviously normally if you want to play a game, you have your console or your computer sitting next to a screen. The console powers the game. It's got the graphics card or the RAM, everything you need to actually run something. And then that plugs into the TV and runs it. The way cloud gaming works is similar to how like cloud storage works these days. You don't have a hard drive on your desk. There is a big hard drive back in Google HQ with billions of terabytes of data on it and you buy a space in that hard drive and then it transfers over the internet. So cloud gaming, they effectively have huge amounts of computing power running out of these hubs and you pay a subscription or a fee or different models exist and it will effectively stream access to that game straight into your TV, kind of like watching Netflix. And because internet is so good these days and latency times are so low, a lot of the time, if you're playing a game on one of these programs, the latency is effectively as low as it would be if you're playing to a console almost. And the cost around is so, so low as well. It's incredibly, incredibly uh, low relative to having to fork out like a thousand, two thousand dollars to buy a good gaming rig. And because their hardware is so good, you can play pretty much every game you want at ultra settings. So Google Stadia is Google's version of this. There are a few different companies that are coming out with them. So there's NVIDIA um, and several others all kind of doing their own service offerings, but all relatively similar. The, the concept of cloud gaming is kind of the same across the board. Yeah. Um, and, a uh, huge growth area. Huge growth and area. And for people interested in the gaming industry, the possibilities of cloud gaming is one of the areas they're most excited about. So to bring it back to the story, for this guy to take his game off Google Stadia is a big move. It's a big move. Not quite as big, but to give an example, it would be like if Fortnite was like, hey, we're just not going to be on Xbox. It's similar to that idea. It's kind of being like this entire service you have, one of the biggest games that would probably exist on that service, we're just, no, nah, doesn't exist anymore. So I guarantee there is someone on at Google right now on their hands and knees at his feet, holding up a box of flowers, saying, here's your Google account and we've restored all your apps and we're so sorry for the it's inconvenience. It's truly like the pettiest but also most like big dick energy thing that he Biggest could do. Biggest dick of energy. But yeah, like for him, that'll probably cost him, you know, tens of millions of dollars. I love it. I love it that he's like, he's probably like principle. I've made <laughs> $700 million. I, and there's certain things money can't buy. And you know what? Access to your apps and your Gmail. I mean, money should be able to buy that, but apparently it can't. That is so funny. I just think that's hilarious. But that was honestly, I mean, uh, number one, to, to finish that topic, I think it's hilarious. I would be surprised if he didn't backtrack. I think there'll be enough community support trying to get him to put it on. And I think he'll probably get a groveling phone call from Google and they'll <laughs> dip into the sunset happily Let's ever stay after. Tuned on that. They'll probably add an extra zero to the contract they were offering and he'll be like, well, all right. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, but an absolutely incredible uh, example of someone who just doesn't give a f And also a great segue into the broader topic of cloud gaming. And I've seen so many opinions. I think what's interesting about cloud gaming mm -hmm. is a lot of the time things come out and people are like, oh, this is great. Like, this is cool. This is awesome. This mm -hmm. is going to be the next big thing. And it's kind of universally agreed. But a lot of the time you also see things where people are like, oh, this is like, uh, this is great. And then you've got the other half, the community being like, this is the dumbest thing ever. What are you doing? So, I am super, super interested to see what happens with uh, cloud gaming. And I've got my own opinions about it. 
But what, what's your what's your top line thoughts on cloud gaming as a whole? I do think it's an unavoidable development of the industry. And I think that the technology still has a way to go to kind of catch up to make it commercially viable to the extent that it probably will be in the future. But for me, I can see I can see the mass appeal and I can see um yeah, I mean gaming in, in some ways is limited without cloud. And if they're able to do it effectively, then I think that's going to be commercially extremely successful. What do you think? I'm obsessed. I reckon it is so smart. I reckon it's the future. I reckon it is literally the coolest technological thing that is happening in gaming right now. I think that it is... Damn, guys. What a rave review. You heard it here first. Well, like, I just, it just makes so much sense to me. It has advantages in almost every single segment. Don't get Mm. me wrong. If you're a hardcore PC gamer who loves shooters and fast response times and you need your, you know, like two millisecond refresh rate monitor, whatever. The reality is, though, most people aren't. No, most people aren't. Most people are people who want to sit on their couch. They want to play Sea of Thieves. They want to play Assassin's Creed. They want to play whatever they want to play. And I think that if you really look at the service offering of a service like Stadia, effectively what you're offering is say, say I'm someone who loves playing games and I really like playing them at high quality. Mm-hmm. Want to be able to play everything in 2K, you know, 60 FPS, 120 FPS. Then um, th- for me, I'm going to have to fork out four or five grand for a computer oh, and then minimum. all this other tech. And then every time a game gets released, I'm dropping $80 on it. A lot of these services, uh, the like game streaming services, similar to like Netflix, where it's like a lot of the time you'd be paying like ten to twenty dollars per movie that you want to get. Yeah. With Netflix, you pay ten dollars a month. That is similar to these streaming services, where you can literally uh, you can just pay a monthly subscription. Some of them do it by game access, but a lot of them do it by subscription, and you get access to this ridiculous library of games, mm. and you don't even need the hardware to run it, and you can play it at high quality. Imagine yeah. Google sells you this little stick you plug and i don't think it's quite at this level yet but i think it will be very soon literally sells you a little usb stick that you plug into the back of your tv and it's like 50 bucks then you pay 10 bucks a month and you get access to every game in the world at high quality for free whenever you want you don't even have to download the game because it's just live streaming the feed from their servers i think anything that's making gaming more accessible and cheaper is absolutely the way of the future because I think you touched on yeah exactly that like some of the big barriers to gaming right now is the cost and you know so many people that we see online are asking you guys all the time like how do I game like you like what's your setup blah 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 there's some really really high performing videos out there where people just want to see like what's the setup people are playing on how can I get that too the reality is it's just not that accessible for a lot of people. So, and I think that's part of the reason I was excited about like the investment that we made in Backbone, which is making mobile Mm. gaming much, much better um, and more accessible to the masses. And I think, yeah, at at the end of the day, not everyone can have a five to $10,000 PC set up, but everyone will have access to the cloud and everyone will have access to phones and that's going to make it yeah. Someone handed me a hard drive the other day to put footage on. Mm-hmm. Like gave me a hard drive to plug into my computer to put footage on. I was like, what what are, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what, the, what the fuck is it? No, don't. No, I'm just going to fucking put it on the drive. I'll send you a link in like two minutes. Yeah. Literally three years ago, 
everything I was putting on a hard drive. I would literally yeah. put stuff on a hard drive and then take it over and hand it to someone and be yeah. like, there you go, there's the footage Your for the editor day. would have to come to the house to pick up these, the hard drive to take it back to edit the Why videos. would you? But these days, you're like, oh my, a hard drive? What are you talking about? No, if you want those photos, I'll just chuck them up on my Google Drive literally. and then I'll flick you a link. Or if you need that footage, I'll put it on my Google Drive. I'll send you a link. Yeah. A couple of years ago, people thought that was really dumb and weird. But internet is getting so fast and so efficient. Yeah. Cloud is just... It's so good. And that's saying something considering we're in Australia, where the we're internet in Australia. is We've got not the good ass end of fast. the internet. <laughs> and I'm impressed with where it is. So long story short, I think internet's getting better. I think that hardware is also a lot of the time, uh, I mean, you look at like high-end GPUs these days. I mean, I wouldn't say hardware is getting necessarily a lot more expensive, but it's also not getting cheaper. No. Consoles have been at the same price point for years. PCs, high-end have been at the same price point for years because we keep pushing And that it. kind of tech is... Yeah, that kind of, yeah. Yeah, and we keep pushing it. We keep pushing the technology up higher and higher ends. And you've got more and more demanding uh, software to run. Like if you had a VR headset and you wanted to run a game, that takes like a really expensive computer to run Mm -hmm. a game properly. So if you can literally cut out the cost of these four or $5,000 computers, you can have effectively way cheaper abilities of playing the games because you're just paying a monthly subscription. I don't know. To me, I don't understand. And I would love to actually maybe get someone on one week where we have a debate. in cloud gaming? Well, that was kind of what I would... That was my angle with Backbone when it was kind of like, do we want to invest in that? I saw that as an investment in cloud gaming because not only does cloud gaming let you play games to a really high quality on your computer or your TV, you could do it on your mobile. You can literally just stream. Like I could stream Assassin's Creed. I could stream Crisis, like the most high <laughs> well, that demanding makes me game feel better. I'm like, how can we invest in cloud gaming, Elliot? It's like, we already are invested in cloud Indirectly, gaming. Indirectly, because people who, if, if cloud gaming <laughs> on mobile, I could yeah. play the most, I think this is like a good way that makes people go, oh, okay, I see why that's cool. I could play the most high-end, high-demanding game that would normally take a $6,000 PC like I have to run. I could run that on my crappy little phone. Yeah just because it's not the phone doing the work. The phone is just the screen. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that I could plug a controller into my phone and suddenly start playing Assassin's Creed, whatever, Yeah. that is cool to me. That is crazy. And I think that's why Backbone's really cool because if cloud gaming takes off, then naturally people are going to be playing more high-end games on their phone. If they're playing high-end games on their phone, they need a controller to do it. And that's what Backbone is. And that was my logic. Amazing. I okay. love cloud gaming. I'm sold. I'm invested. All right. Let's get into our little section of the week. Questions of the week. Elliot, question for you. How do you manage your self-time and your work time? And how has that changed over the last five years? I think it's just embracing the pros and the cons of YouTube. Like naturally, YouTube is probably more work hours than a normal job. But the huge advantage is they're completely flexible. I can pretty much work when I want for whatever like length of time I want and then take a break and then go back into it or whatever. So for example, yesterday I came to the office at 7 a.m. in the morning, started doing a stream at like 7, 7.30, streamed up till like 11, had that like click meeting that we did, did that for, did click work for a couple of hours until like one or two, and then uh, recorded a video from like two till four, took a little hour break and then streamed from like six till 10. Like, so really I was like in the office doing work from like 7 a.m. till 10 p.m., which normally would be a crazy day. But because I did that, it means that if later on in the week I've got, you know, Mm. like someone wants to invite me out for like a, you know, like Mark and I were talking about going spearfishing on Friday maybe. So now I can be like, okay, no, but like I I got a lot of my streaming out of the way and my video work out of the way earlier in the week. 
I got that advantage. I put in that extra, you know, like 14, 15 hour day. And because I did that, I can now go and do that on Friday and feel like, no, 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 I'm still being responsible. You've gotten way better at that though. I think a few years ago, your, there was no work-life balance. Well, so I actually think that if if I was in a position right now, like when Fortnite first came out, yeah. where it feels like a free-for-all on content, there's so much to do, there's so, you're, you're building an audience really rapidly, I would say that I probably would struggle with that again. But I think right now with Fortnite, it's easier to relax because it doesn't feel like... Yeah, there's not that that sense of urgency isn't there. It's not that you don't care, but it's just that, you know, like missing one video as a trade off for my mental health Mm. is not like really a hard decision for me to make anymore. I'm also in the position where I've kind of, you know, not quote unquote made it, but I'm at a point now where I'm a lot more comfortable with where I am in life. I'm not like, oh, my God, this is like once in a lifetime and if I if I don't go hard now then I'm gonna hate myself yeah. the rest of my life. I'm at a point where I'm like, no no no, I went so hard for three years and I still wanna work hard and if there's a good opportunity to really send it, I wanna do it. But also I'm like, okay, I, the, right now I'm in a bit of a thing where I can't quite figure out what I wanna go super hard on in terms of YouTube. So I'm willing to, you know, still do the work, but also if I wanna go spearfishing, I'll go for a spearfish. Nice. Some spear fisherman. All right. Your question uh, submitted by the audience is what is your best accomplishment aside from what you've done at Click? Ooh, okay. Best accomplishment aside from what I've done at Click is probably just have a good sense of confidence in forging my own path with what I want to do with my career. I think as some of you know, Um, I think we've spoken about my history a little bit, but I was obviously going down a much more traditional path. I studied commerce and law at university and was working at a much more traditional firm. And I think in my young, late teens, early 20s, I felt a lot of pressure to follow that path, that it was like climb the corporate ladder and it doesn't really matter if you don't enjoy it or not, like stick it out for the long haul and yeah, do this much more traditional path that I felt would have a lot more external validation or people would understand what I was doing. And I think being able to develop a mindset now where I don't care so much about that traditional path has been a big development. Obviously that's come through click and having the confidence to do it and having the confidence that, you know, we're doing a good job with click. But I think, um, yeah, the, the immense pressure that I felt to fulfill this traditional path a few years ago was really, really big. And I remember like, oh gosh, I remember this weekend that we- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Had down at the farm with everyone. I was like in tears because I just started this job at this accounting firm and I realized I actually wasn't sure if I even liked accounting or if I ever liked accounting, actually. (laughs) And I think I was just doing it because it was the major that everyone told me to do that would open the most amount of doors. What are you doing? Commerce law? Commerce law? Commerce law. Everyone has commerce law. And and I was like, holy crap, have I started myself down this path that I'm not going to be able to get off? And I think it was partially looking at you and seeing how much satisfaction and reward 
reward you got from doing this thing that you were actually passionate about. And I was worried that I wouldn't actually ever be able to fulfill my potential if I was on this path that I wasn't passionate about. Yeah, I think it's been an accomplishment to realize you can get off that path. Whatever you want to do, you can make it happen. Like it's your life. You're responsible for your own happiness. And um, yeah, I think getting to a point with that mindset has been an achievement. All right. Does that wrap us up? Week that two, 2021. All right, guys, remember to, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel and leave us a comment down below telling us what you want to talk about next week. Leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It makes a massive difference for other people being able to find the content and follow us on Spotify. All right, we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.